Welcome to the sermons and teachings from the Catalyst Fellowship with Ipai Michael. We hope the message you're about to listen to will edify you and cause you to experience exponential growth. And now, the message. I started a teaching series titled The Jesus Series. And um, this is the third part of that teaching. And it's a teaching where we've been examining Jesus Christ. We've been speaking about Jesus Christ. We've been, you know, looking at his deity. And in the first part of the teaching, we looked at his deity in the incarnation where we spoke about the fact that Jesus is God. We, we, we had to prove the deity of Jesus to prove that he's not just an ordinary man, but he's God. And in the incarnation, we spent time talking about the virgin birth and him being the son of God. We explained... Um, how he's the son of God and also God. How possible is that? We explained how he received worship and the different things that make us believe that he is God and he's not an ordinary man. We explained that Jesus is God made manifest in the flesh, as his name implies, which is Emmanuel, that is God made manifest in the flesh. And we went through the proof, the, the prophecies, and everything that happened. And after that, we did a second part. What was the title? Akigos. Akigos. And what did we say Akigos means? Chief leader. Chief leader. What else did we say Akigos means? Captain. Author. Prince. Hallelujah. Amazing. So we dealt with Akigos where we saw Jesus as the author of salvation. And uh, as important as it is to prove the deity of Christ, it was also important to prove his humanity. And so in Akigos, we went through proofs of the humanity of Jesus. We went to see the importance of Jesus being human. We spoke about the fact that he had to be human for him to be our substitute. He was coming to die for men, so if he's going to substitute men, then he has to be a man. We spoke about him being our a high priest, and if he's going to represent us, then he has to be a man. And we spoke about the hypostatic union, where God had to be both deity and human to really die for our sin. In the sense that if he's going to be our substitute, then he has to be one without sin. He has to be one who doesn't have the cost. Because if he has the cost, then who is going to pay for his own sin? Are you with me? So we spoke about him being our substitute and him being holy, being sinless. And for him to be sinless, he had to be God. And for him to be our perfect substitute, he had to be man. And that is the hypostatic union. And in, in Akigos, we also saw um, various other reasons why he had to be a man. Scripture calls him the first fruit of them that slept. That is an example for us. And we saw that God was walking in Christ. To work in us. Hallelujah. God was working in Christ. To work in us. Everything he did in Christ. He was working in us as well. And so in the death of Jesus. We saw our death. We saw him as a substitute. We saw ourselves dying. But also we died to sin. In his burial we saw the body. And we see our body. The body of sin destroyed. And in his resurrection. We also see our resurrection. Hallelujah. We see our resurrection. So we died with him when he died. We were buried with him in baptism. And we resurrected with him when he resurrected. 
And so we see Jesus as our brother, our firstborn. We explained that in, in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ, before his death, he was called the only begotten of the Father. But after his death, he was called what? The first begotten. Because when he died, he brought many to God. He brought many to God. And so everything that happened to him was an example for us. If scripture says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, it says the same spirit shall do what? Shall quicken our mortal body. So if Jesus was resurrected by the spirit, guess what? We also having that same spirit to be resurrected when we die. That's Jesus being our example. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And so today, we will be talking about Logos. Someone say Logos. 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 And this is an important teaching as well. Every single one of them has been a blessing. And I'm sure this also is going to be a blessing. Say, Father, I'm ready. Father, I'm ready for all you have for me. For all you have for me. For all you have for me. In this meeting. In this meeting. In this meeting. In this meeting. Confessions are very important, so take them serious. Say, my heart is ready. My heart is ready. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. My mind is alert. Hallelujah. Praise God. Alright, open your Bibles to John chapter 1 and verse 1. John chapter 1 and verse 1. This is one of the earliest texts maybe many of us had to cram um, growing up. John chapter 1 and verse 1. And it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word existed with God, and the Word was and is God. Hallelujah. The Greek word translated here for Word Amen. is Logos. Is Logos. So in the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. Hallelujah. And so Logos is... The word by which you get the English word logic. And so when we say in the beginning was the logos, we're saying in the beginning was the logic of God. It existed with God and it is God. And in verse 14, when we say the word became flesh, we mean that the logos of God, the logic of God, he whom the, the character and the nature of God and be discerned, became flesh. The thought process of God became fresh, uh, became flesh, rather, and dwelt amongst us. Hallelujah. So in the beginning was the Logos. The Logos was with God, and the Logos was God. And the Logos was made flesh, and it dwelt amongst us. So the thought and expression of God, the logic of God became flesh, and dwelt amongst us. And you need to see what this means. It means that if the Logos of God dwells in, has dwelt in this earth with us or dwelt at that time with them, 
he becomes the person who can describe God perfectly. What do I mean by that? If the thought and the expression of God became flesh, he becomes the only one who can tell us accurately who God is because he's the logic of God. He's the expression of God. Hallelujah. You need to see what this means also to the teaching ministry of Jesus. Because Jesus is the logic of God. He is the logos of God. This means that whatever Jesus says has to be the truth about God. It places a premium on the teaching ministry of Jesus above every other thing we might hear. It places an authenticity on what Jesus taught above any other teaching. Let me explain this with an analogy. I've used the analogy of the black hole to explain so many things to you before. And I can use that also in this situation. Imagine there is a black hole here, a portal that leads you to a different dimension. No one knows what is inside of that black hole. Or even if it leads you to a different dimension, no one knows what is there. People keep entering into the black hole. But no one has ever come out. No one knows what is in the black hole. The day someone steps out of that black hole, whatever he has to say about the black hole becomes the most important thing for us to listen to. Why? He is from there. There has to be a premium on what he has to say because he's from there. He has gone in there and he has come out. And so whatever he says about what is in there has to be the most important thing for us to listen. It has to trump every other idea, every other rumor, every other thought about what is there. Are you with me? And so the same thing applies for Jesus. If Jesus is the thought and expression of God and a man from heaven, he places a premium on what he has to say. That becomes the most important thing for us to listen to. No one has ever seen God at the time or had ever seen God at the time. But Jesus came and he revealed God. So he can talk about God with such audacity that no other person can. Hallelujah. He becomes the only person who has the right to describe God to us perfectly. And he would speak with such audacity because he's from there. He's the thought of God. He's the logic of God. He's the expression of God. He's the thought process of God. He's God. He says the word was with God. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. See what the writer of Hebrews says. In Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God, verse 1 to 3. God, who had sundry times and in diverse manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, and I said, sundry times and sundry manners, like I taught you in the last camp meeting, is polumerous sky polutropos. So in different ways and in different, in different forms and in different times, 
God spoke to his people through the fathers and the prophets. But now, he's doing what? He's speaking to us through his son, who he had appointed what? Heir of all things. So in Christ, the son of God, we can discern the exact character of God. Look at verse 3. It says, who being the brightness of his glory. He says, the express image of his person. Oh my God, did you hear that? He says, the express image of his person. He says, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had himself forged our sin and sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, on high. So he calls Jesus the express image of God, the exact replica of God. Are you with me? And so in Christ, we can, we, we, we can discern the person of God. We can discern the character of God. Not just in his works through salvation. And rightly so, in his works through salvation, we can see God. We can see the, the character of God as love. But also in the actions Jesus took in his earthly ministry. What do I mean by that? He is the closest we would come to seeing God and understanding him. Remember that God was known as the invisible God until Christ came. So the invisible God was made visible in Christ. The God who could not be totally discerned was made discernible in Christ. Christ is the express image of God. He calls him the express image of his person. So what I meant when I said not just in the work of salvation, but also in the works that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, is that yes, when Jesus came to die on this earth, we see the character of God as a, as a God of love, as one who loves us. John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but do what? But have everlasting life. It says, But God so loved the world. The word so there isn't talking about the intensity of the love. Even though God loves us immensely, God loves us so much, but it's not saying God so loved the world. He's saying, God loved the world in this manner. God loved the world so. So there is, this is how God loved the world. A better way to understand it is First John chapter 3 and verse 16. First John chapter 3 and verse 16. He says, hereby we perceive the love of God. That is for God so loved the world. This is how you see the love of God. It says, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, we see the character of God in what Jesus did. This is how we know that God loved the world. Christ died for our sins. Do you see that? But what I was trying to explain was that apart from his work in salvation, we can descend Christ, we can descend Jesus, and know the character of God. So for example, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 16. Scripture says, When the evil was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirit with his word and healed all. How many did he heal? All. all. So many all. times when the sick were brought to Jesus, Jesus healed every single one of them. This would help us know the character of God, that God is always interested in healing the sick. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
In seeing the actions of Jesus on the earth, we can discern the character and the nature of God. In the fact that Jesus healed every sick, we see God always ready to heal the sick. In the compassion that Jesus showed on this earth, we can discern that God is a God of compassion. In the way Jesus reacted to sinners, we see God's mindset towards sinners. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. In the way he related to people, we can discern God just by looking at Jesus. And so we have to place a premium on the teachings of Jesus and what he has to say about God. You see, from the way that John is describing Christ, we have, to, we, we have to see something. As a good Bible student, your understanding of Scripture isn't just from your conclusion on one text. I've taught you this when we learned on how to interpret the Bible. If you've not listened to that sermon, please make sure you do. It's a series, about four parts of it. It will help you. And as a good Bible student, we understand that we can't take one part of Scripture and use it to judge. We have, to, we have to read the whole context. Hallelujah. And so when you read books like Romans, you'll be making a mistake if you don't read the whole thing and you just go to the end and you make a conclusion. Books like Romans, even almost every book of, of the Bible, especially the epistles, you have to read the whole thing to understand the context. So you will see Matthew doing a genealogy. How many of you, I'm, I'm sure many of you here, how many of you have read Matthew 1? The first part of, of Matthew, 1-1. One, one. You've taken your time to read it. Mm. Mm. <laughs> Some are reading up the hands. The others are biting the hands. <laughs> Anyways, so that part you usually skip. There's a reason why it's there. You see, the writer of that book knew who he was writing to. The Jews believed that the Messiah, which was to come, would come through the line of David. And so the first job of the writer of Matthew is that he wants to prove to them that Jesus is from the line of David. That's why he started to write the genealogy, to trace back the origin of Jesus, to show you that his ancestor is, is David. He's from the line of David. Are you with me? To show prophetic consistency. And the same thing happened in the book of John. John now is starting his book by telling you that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. That is, Jesus is God. He's proving to you that you must place a premium on the teachings of Jesus because he's from God. Are you seeing what John is doing? So you go to verse 15. And he says that John bear witness of him, talking about John the Baptist, saying John bear witness of him and cried saying. So his, his writing of the, of the things that John the Baptist said to tell you about Jesus. He says John bear witness of him and cried saying, this was he of whom I speak, that he will come after me. He says, he that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. Are you getting this? So the writer of John is showing you what John the Baptist said. And he's showing you that John the Baptist said he's preferred. He was before me. Saying he's better than me. Why is he better than me? He was before me. 
He was in the beginning with the Word. He was the Word at the beginning with God. Are you with me? His words rank higher. They rank higher than Moses, than Abraham, than everyone, than even me. That's what John the Baptist was saying. If you go to verse 26, it says, John answered them saying, I baptize with water, but there standeth one amongst you, whom ye know not. Verse 27. It says, He is coming after me, who is preferred before me. Then he says, Whose shoe latchet am unworthy to lose? So John is saying here, and the Messiah Jesus had not been revealed here to them. So John is telling them that there is somebody who is coming and is using the analogy of untying of shoes to show the importance, the premium that must be placed on the teaching ministry of Jesus. He's saying, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. That is, he's greater than me. He's greater than me. In John chapter 3 and verse 30, he says, He must increase. I must decrease. John the Baptist is taking care. He's taking time to explain to you that this person that is coming is greater than him. And you must follow what he has to say. You must do what? You must follow what he has to say. Verse 31. He says, he that cometh from above is above all. He says, he that is of the earth is earthly. Do you see that? He says, he that cometh from above is above all. Talking about Jesus. He says, he that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. Oh, the last part says, he that cometh from heaven is above all. What he has heard and what he has seen from heaven is what he will testify. That's verse 32. Are you with me? Is this making sense to you? I think my network is better now. <laughs> Thank God. Alright. So this is making sense to you, right? Good. So in the Old Testament, God was speaking to them through Moses. But now, God is speaking through who? Jesus. Who is the express image of God? The Logos of God. So then if God was going to talk to them, was talking to them through the prophets, through Moses, Moses was going to hear God for the first time. He's before a burning bush and God had to cause the bush to burn and the bush was not actually burning. The bush was on fire, but it was not actually burning. You know, to use that sign to catch Moses' attention. And then Moses is there and God is speaking to Moses. And Moses is doing signs and wonders before the people. And people are following him. And he's telling them the will of God. God is speaking to him. He's speaking, you know, on behalf of God to them. This is what he means. Through the prophets. Through the fathers. They had prophets. They had fathers. He says, but now. He's speaking through his son. So God was going to give them the law. How does he give them the law? He speaks to Moses again. He gives him the law for him to communicate this to the people. And so Moses is up there on Mount Sinai and God is communicating to him. And so he comes down from the mount and he's going to the people 
And when he gets to them, his face is shining. His face is radiant. And so if anybody was going to ask him, I beg, where did you get this, this tablet? God gave him two tablets of stone. I remember when Pastor was teaching this. Pastor was like, one was iOS, one was Android. <laughs> Sorry. Can I continue the teaching? All right. So God gave him two tablets. And then he's coming down. And then they're asking him, bro, Moses, I beg, where did you get this thing from? And Moses is claiming, God gave me this, so these are the laws you must follow. And they're like, how are we going to believe God gave you? And then his face is shining. So the, the radiance of his face was a testament to the integrity of the word that God gave him for them. Are you getting what I'm saying? The way that you will know that it was from God was because his face was shining. Have you seen someone's face shine like that before? So now that his face is shining, you must know that there's something supernatural. The hand of God is upon this. Hallelujah. The hand of God is upon this. So the radiance of his face was a testament to the integrity of the law. Hallelujah. In sundry times, in diverse manners, God was speaking to them through the prophets. So now you believe that it's from God because his face is shining. It attests to the integrity of the law. The people could not argue that that word was from God. Because of the sign they could see. It was shining so bright that they needed to cover his face with a veil. Hallelujah. So the way they knew that the laws were legit was by the radiance of Moses' face. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. Another story there. Matthew chapter 17. And verse 1. He says, and after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, and bringeth them up into a high mountain apart. Verse 2. He says, and was transfigured before them. But what happened? He says, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was as the light. Now, this is a different story. And now they are describing an experience where Jesus takes his disciples on top of a mountain. And then his own face is shining. What are the odds? Before now, only Moses had had that experience that his face was shining. But now Jesus has his own face shining. But guess what? Not just his face. Even his raiment was shining. This has to mean something. This has to mean something. So Moses had his face shining. Jesus is having a similar experience. But then, the light is brighter. This is to show the intensity. There's a greater shining of the light. There's a greater intensity. The light is brighter. Both Jesus' face... And his raiment, his clothes, were shining. The next verse, it says, And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elijah talking with him. This is noteworthy. Wow. What are the odds that 
The only person who has ever had a similar experience is showing up on the scene when Jesus is having that experience. Are you getting what I'm saying? The same person who has ever had that experience is showing up. So Moses and Elijah appear and they are talking with him. And then in verse 4, Peter answered and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you will let us, it says, if you will, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, that's Elias. As per these are the OGs of our faith. Do you know what it means? If you are like a, if you are like an, an Israelite, a Jew, the OGs of your faith are present. Elijah, who has not heard the tales, Broseli, Mose, OGs of the faith are present. Yeah, make we do tabernacle. Ah, what for you? We respect you, Bros. J. Elijah, let's do tabernacle for him. Moses, this is this is an important site. Fire bender, what? A water bender. Alex. <laughs> oh, Jesus, the faith. But scripture says, while Peter yet spoke, I feel like the Bible has a habit of cutting Peter short. In Cornelius' house, while Peter yet spoke, they always shut him up. Now, while Peter yet spoke. <laughs> I'm kidding. What well, he says, while Peter yet spoke, what happened? He says, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. You need to know what this means. God is attesting to the sonship of Jesus and says, Listen to him in the presence of OG Elijah and OG Moses. Like your OGs are here. The same people that have had, the same guy that has had a similar experience as Jesus is here. And God is present on the scene. And he's saying, I get your OGs are here. And they are here for a reason. Listen to this, my son. Hear ye him. Do you know what this means? Before the representatives of the law and the prophets, God is telling you to listen to the Son. This has to count for something. This is not worthy. This is not worthy. I taught you that the radiance of Moses' face was a testament to the integrity of the law. And so the radiance of Jesus' face is also a testament to the words that Jesus will speak, the integrity of the words that Jesus will speak. Hallelujah. God was endorsing Jesus. This was an endorsement of the teaching ministry of Jesus. His face was, was shining. God made it so clear that his clothes self must shine so that you know the intensity that comes with the teaching ministry of Jesus. So in the Old Testament, you had the teaching ministry of Moses. 
on the law endorsed. And now you have the teaching ministry of Jesus endorsed, showing greater glory. You will get it now if you are following. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 7. Paul speaking. Sometimes it used to marvel me how Paul understood these things. Like, Paul speaking. Verse 7. He says, But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, you know what he means by written and engraven in stones, talking about the law, was glorious. So there was glory there. When he's talking about glory, he was talking about the glory that was revealed in, in Moses when his face was shining. He says, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which was the glory to be done away. So it was glorious. The shining of the face of Moses was testifying to the integrity of the Lord that you can trust that the law is from God. Verse 8, he says, How shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? Verse 9, he says, If the ministration of condemnation be glory, he says, Much more doth the ministry of righteousness exceed in glory. So if God attested to Moses through the glory, the same way God attested to Jesus through glory, through the radiance, but greater glory. Verse 10, he says, For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excelled. So he's talking about a, an excellent glory, a greater glory. Go to verse 18. Verse 18 now says, But we all, with open faces, beholding as, a as in a glass, the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image. From what? From glory to glory. That is, from the glory which was to the glory which is. That's glory to glory. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Are you getting this? That's what glory to glory means. He described two glories here. The glory which was to be done away with. Which was what happened with Moses. And the glory which is of Christ. The glory of God in Christ. So now we have a clearer picture of the glory of God. In Christ there is clarity. This time we behold with open faces. No covering. Are you with me? You need to understand what happened. If God was testifying to the teaching ministry of Moses by the shining of his face, the radiance of his face, and then at some point they had to cover his face, it means there were certain things in the teaching ministry of Moses that they could not understand. That's why there were many shadows, polymerous, kypolutropos, diverse manners, symbols. There were things in the teaching ministry of Moses that they could not understand. That's why his face had to be veiled. It says, it says that what? That if the glory. Are you all with me? Hope you all are following. I need to be sure. If the glory was in testament to the integrity of his word, now 
we see Jesus with clarity. Go back to Matthew chapter 17, verse 6. Let me show you something. Go back to that transfiguration story. Go back to the transfiguration story. Let me show you something. And this will blow your mind. Verse 6 of Matthew, Matthew 17. It says, And when the disciples heard it, that is, when, when they heard the, the voice of God speak, you know, the light was covered, the lights covered everywhere. And they heard the voice of God. It says, they fell on their faces and they were sore afraid. Now, what this is describing is the aftermath of what happened when the, their faces glowed. So, in Moses' time, the aftermath was that his face was shining, then they covered it with veil because they could not behold it. But the aftermath of the experience of Jesus, he says in verse 7, And Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise! And be not afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, Scripture says they saw no man but Jesus only. So listen, in Moses' time, they could not behold his face, even though it was shining. They had to cover it with a veil. But now in Jesus' time, Jesus comes to meet them and say, be not afraid. And they saw him. There was no veil. There was no veil. So, if the radiance of the face was a testament of the integrity of the word, and Moses' own had to, co had to be covered, which means that some things they could not understand, in Jesus' own, it was open, they could see his face, meaning there is clarity in the teaching ministry of Jesus. Are you getting this? There is clarity in the teaching ministry of Jesus. Unlike Moses, Jesus did not veil his face. Jesus did not veil his face. Go back to 2 Corinthians now and see what, what, what Paul begins to say in verse 12. He says, seeing that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. He says, and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face. You should be getting it now. It says yes, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. In verse 14, it says their minds were what? Were blinded for until this day remained the same veil on taking away from the reading of the Old Testament. It says which veil was done away. This is revelation. Yes, sir. This veil was done away in Christ. Verse 15, it says, But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their eye. Verse 16, it says, Nevertheless, it shall turn to the Lord. The veil shall be taken away. Now, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There is liberty. So when he says, Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. He's talking about liberty in revelation. Liberty in revelation. And now we can now say you behold the glory of God with open faces. Hallelujah. And you are changed from glory to glory. Do you get it? Yes, sir. So with this, you would clearly understand John 1, 1 very well. In the beginning was the word. Was the Logos. The Logos. Yes, Liberty's revelation. The Logos was with God. The Logos was God. Verse 14. 
He says, and the Logos, the Word, was made flesh and dwelt amongst us. This is a scripture on the incarnation. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on. It says, and we beheld his glory. The person who is talking was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. John was there. It says, we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, Marabakai, full of grace and truth. So he's talking about the ministry of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, full of what? Grace and, and truth. He says, in Christ we see the fullness and we can behold it. Verse 15. He says, and John bear witness of him and cried, saying, this was him who I spake. He that shall come after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all received. He says, and grace for grace. This is the same thing as glory to glory. Grace for grace. Talking about the fact that, yes, there was grace in that time. There were many mystical things, many gracious things, many glorious things. But now there is grace. The fullness of grace and truth in the new. So from glory to glory, we move from grace to grace. Hallelujah. From what? From grace to grace. Verse 17. It says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth comes by Jesus Christ. Finally, verse 18. It says, No man had seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is the bosom of which is in the bosom of the Father, had done what? Had declared him. So no one had seen God before. But now we have Jesus who has declared God. Who has done what? Declared God. He's the express image of God. Is this making sense now? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. He's the express image of God. So, Jesus indeed is the one to reveal God to us. Many of us till today don't want to move from glory to glory. You want to stay in the previous glory. It says we've moved from glory to glory and grace to grace. We need to start seeing God through the lenses of Jesus. Some of you are, you are, you are steadfast. You want to hold on to the previous glory. You want to hold on to the old. Have you forgotten? The glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. You want to hold on. To the previous glory, you want to hold on, you want to see God through the lens of Moses. You want to hold on to that. The writer of Hebrews tried to take you away from that. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 18, it says, For you have not come unto the mountain that might be touched, and that burns with fire, nor unto blackness, and darkness, and tempest, He's trying to make you understand. You are not in the old dispensation. You're not in the old glory where you could not come before the mountain. 
Because anyone that comes close is going to die. There was fear in that time. He was talking about how the law was given here. Remember that mount that only Moses could go? That's what he's talking about. But in verse 22, he says, You've come unto Mount Zion and the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly of what? Of the church of the firstborn. This is a new dispensation. I understand. But stop living in the model house when you've built the real house. Stop living in the plan when the house has been, has been completed. Stop living in the old glory when God has said, follow after my son, this is my beloved son, hear ye him. Descend me through the lens of Jesus and not through the lens of Moses. I knew why I brought Moses and Elijah to transfiguration so that you will see that Jesus is exalted above. There's a difference between what you have from what the Israelites had. They were so scared. For some of you, you don't want to understand that there's a difference between the Old and the New Testament. Some of you know it, but you think it's only the white margin line, that white paper that is in between. You don't want to understand that it goes beyond that. It goes beyond that. Stop living in fear. You are in a new dispensation. There is glory that is being revealed. The glory of God in Christ. See God through the lenses of Jesus. Paul prays this prayer. Your eyes of understanding. You know, it's possible for somebody to hear it and still not accept it. They will pray the prayer, but yet still, from the things you are doing, we will see you holding on to the old glory. Paul prays this prayer that the eyes of your understanding will be flooded with light that you may know. It's a dispensation of clarity that you may know. A dispensation of knowledge. There's no more veil. You've seen Jesus face to face. Face to face. You can cry, I want to see your face. I want to see your face from now till tomorrow. And still hold on to the old, old glory. But you have to come to revelation. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. He expresses God. I see through the lenses of Jesus. That's how you should discern God. Yes, Jesus has brought a new dispensation. Philip asked, he said, show us the Father. He was talking to Jesus. He says, show us the Father, and it sufficed us. Jesus said, have you been so long with me that you don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen the Father? If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. Like I said, not just in his teachings, also in his actions. This has to change your approach and cause a revolution in your life. This has to change your approach. It has to change your, 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 your disposition to the things of God. Stop seeing God as fire only. Fire that you cannot come close to. 
Stop seeing God as the invisible God that we cannot touch. He's more than that. He's now a father. He has revealed himself to us that if Jesus could call him father and Jesus is our firstborn, then we, the other children, can also say father. This has to change your, your life, your mind, the way you view things. There are many ways this has to change you and because of time, I will address just one of them. There are numerous ways. I will address one. In that one, I will address many. Are you with me? Yes. In that one, I will address many. He has to change your mind. Now you have a new lens. A new lens has to view God. The true way God wants to be, God, God wants to be seen. The true way God wants to be seen. You have it. One thing it must change is your prayer life. What did I say? Your prayer life. A lot of people still want to see God from the old, from the old way. If your, if your Bible should fall down now, you are scared that you turn to goats. That's not God. That's not the lens of Jesus. That's the lens of Moses. Your Bible should fall down. You say, I'm not worthy any longer. I can't do ministry. Don't give me that mic. I cannot be a minstrel with such, such dis... <laughs> you want to hold on to the old by all means. Let's talk about prayer. It must change your prayer life. The way you pray, the things you pray about. A lot of prayers that you made today, a lot of people are still praying like they are under the, 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 the dispensation of Moses. You see prayer. When I, when I hear you pray, I'm like, in Luke 9, after the transfiguration, they went, they went to preach. They did not allow them to enter. You can read verse 51 and verse 56 in your spare time. 51 to 56. They did not allow them to enter the city. And the apostles, two of the apostles said, call down fire on them. Do they know who you be? Yeah, you that you were exalted above the OGs. You want to enter city, then they stop you. Who are you? Who is you? Where from? Ah, ah. The son of God? You are stopping him from entering city? Call down fire! But look at Jesus' response. In verse 55, Scripture says, He rebuked them. He rebuked them. He says, You know not what manner of spirit you are of. That is, don't you know what manner of spirit you are of? He says, The Son of Man is not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. Mm -hmm. Ah! This is the lens of Christ. Yes, sir. Some of you, someone ordinary brought you, well, if I call down the God of thunder on you. Maybe you want to do program. You know, just funny type of prayers. Some of you might be laughing like, and you are thinking this does not happen to you. This, you are doing the same thing when you pray for your enemies to die. Because if your enemies should die, who will be saved? Who did God come to save? Uh -huh, now, no more smiles at me. Good. 
Who shall we save? If you kill all the enemies, you pray funny prayers. Any man in my village, fall down and die. Ah, ah. Under the dispensation of Jesus. Some people want to hold on to that, that old thing. You say, your God is not active. My God? All funny prayers you hear. You pray prayers like anybody that is in my position in the office. Anyone who needs to move so that I can move. God! Move him! So you are praying that God will do bad to somebody so that you can... Hey! And it's the Holy Spirit that is working in you. You don't know... Look at Jesus' response. He says, don't you know the spirit you are of? You are acting like you have a different spirit. You are acting like you are not one of us. At most, you are, you are, you are extremely abusing power. He says, will you wait for your enemies? Someone is saying, will you wait for your enemies to kill you before you attack? Jesus is not here to kill your enemies. Whatever they can do cannot hurt you. He has defeated them. He says, get them saved. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone said, no, now move the person higher. I think you used to say move higher when you pray. Do you used to actually say move higher? All those funny type of prayers, like as if you are still in the old... He has to change. I've heard funny things. You want to make someone jobless so that you can have a job. Very funny things. He has to change. Something similar that, that, this, that, that the disciples were, were, were praying for was what happened with Elijah. Little children were laughing and calling him bowed, bowed, that he's bowed, he's bowed. He commanded a bear to kill all of them, children. So in Jesus correcting the disciples, he was correcting Elijah too. I'm not here to kill them. I'm not here to destroy lives. I'm here to save them. That's what Jesus is here for. You need to change the things you pray about. Some of you have lost empathy totally. One lecturer held your results down. You strip yourself naked in the bathroom, 12 midnight. Are you, in the, are you, in, are you doing witchcraft? Is it God you are talking to? You strip yourself naked, 12 midnight, and you say, if only it is not God I'm saving, I declare to you, Mr. Babalola, that's witchcraft, though. That's not God, though. That's not God. Wrong. That's, your, your, your prayer still sounds like you're in a, a different dispensation. You'll be praying with red candle. I'm never going there. Let me not just touch that. Very fetish things. <laughs> Hallelujah. It has to change your prayer life. You have to see things through the lenses of Jesus. What will Jesus do? Some of you, WWJD, but you are not thinking about it when you are praying all those prayers. You are just a slang. 
WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's only when it comes to somebody forgiving you, remember what would Jesus do? When it comes to you acting it, you will not remember what would Jesus do? You have to see through the lenses of Jesus. You pray for God to kill your enemies. How would they get saved? How? Who then will we save? If you kill all the evil people, who then will we go preach to? Who will go preach to buy? When you kill all of them, how will they hear the gospel? How will the work of Jesus be effective in their life? Die, die, any small thing. Some assault and die. <laughs> I don't know where you get God's When you cast your prayers from. <laughs> if you want to kill the person, kill the person. You put some assault. They need signs. Listen, those signs are not for what you are using them for. Those signs are to get people saved. Go and check it. Signs are never for what you think they are. They are to get people saved. That's the reason why the gifts are there. Hallelujah. You have to, you, you have to change your mindset. What kind of God do you think you serve? We can as well tell you that you don't know the spirit you are of if you are behaving like that. That's not the spirit of Christ. You hear some people threatening others with curses from scriptures. I'm like, ah. The fact that it's from scriptures, the one that even <laughs> from scriptures. You still have the picture of the God in the Old Testament. You need to change the lens at which you view God. You need to change it. Some of you, if we remove everything that is not consistent with the epistles from your prayer, you have nothing more to pray. If they say, okay, while everybody's praying this night, anything that is not consistent with the epistle should not sound. People like, nothing left. No epistle prayer. All is die. Somebody die. Anybody causing my result. Cause it die. Roll. Jump. Any man in the village. These creative prayers. I don't get it. Listen, you need to see that Jesus brought clarity to the character of God. If Jesus did not give anybody smack down to die, you have no reason to be praying for them. To do something to die. <laughs> I'm sorry. Are you following me? What did you see Jesus kill? Where did you learn it? Jesus brought clarity to the character of God. The fact that you see men of God do things like this does not mean that God did it or God endorsed it. God has given men power. Are you with me? Yes, That's why I will tell you time and again. Supernatural manifestation does not prove that you are correct. It does not attest to the fact that you are correct. It's not an attestation to doctrinal accuracy or anything like that. The fact that something supernatural happened when you did it before does not mean God approves of it. Peter said the same way they carried the husband's dead body. It's the same way they'll carry your dead body. And she fell to the floor and she died. That's abuse of power. Yes. 
that's abuse of power. <laughs> that's abuse of power. Do you know the God you serve? He's the God that they were going to arrest him to kill him. He knew that they came to arrest him to kill him. One of his disciples caught somebody's ear and he picked the ear back and he put it. Some of you will cut the second one, you won't cut the neck joint. Look at the Jesus you serve. Helping somebody who came to kill him. So if I was to use that logic, should Jesus wait for them to attack first? He waited, they attacked, he still did not kill them. Stop treating Christianity like it's witchcraft. Stop treating the Bible like it's a book of spells. When people are happy, someone offended you, two days later you heard he died. He said, that's why I said, no, don't know they talk to me anyhow. Do you know the God I serve? It's not our God. It's a different God you are talking about. It's not our God. Because our God is perfectly revealed in Jesus. Our God is perfectly revealed in Jesus. And even his enemies, he prayed for them. Pray prayers that are consistent with the epistles. Pray rightly. Pray for the salvation of people that are out there. Pray according to the word of God. That's how we know you don't read the Bible. Pray according to the word of God. Praying according to the word of God does not tone down power. Pray that your enemies will come back to the knowledge of truth. Always seek salvation. That was what Jesus did. People put him on the cross. On the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they are doing. That's the God you serve. Some of you, as they are flogging you, you are writing the names in your mind. You, one, two strokes, three. You, speed, good. That will be the number of punishment I will give you at your generation. You, okay. You were just looking. Nice, okay. You, you now stabbed me. You gave mine. <laughs> you stabbed the king of glory. Okay, what's that your son name? Okay. We can know those when they connected to you. Put Jesus on the cross. Listen at times too. <laughs> Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse, verse 43, in that chapter you begin to see almost like Jesus was adding his own. He says, you heard that it has been said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. He says, but today I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them that despise you and persecute you. So listen, when it comes to persecution, we are not praying for the people that persecute you to die. We are praying for what? For their salvation. We are praying for their salvation. Hallelujah. We are praying for their salvation. You need to stop living like you are in the old. 
See through the lenses of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's talk a little bit about access. Even before I talk about some ordinary Bible drop, some of you, you are not, it's not a time of fear, it's a dispensation of clarity. You are praying and you're mistaking me fat. Ah. How can I do such <laughs> such unholy And I'm not saying disrespect God and you know and fat. But it's not a dispensation of fear. Someone will say you are praying in the toilet, there's punishment waiting for you. <laughs> Calm down. You are not in the time of Moses. Let's talk about access. You can come boldly to the presence of God. Boldly to the presence of God now. There are a lot of people, what you did, your experience yesterday will affect your devotion today. Whatever happened yesterday would affect your devotion today. And that's why a lot of people don't have consistent growth in God. Because you are still living under the dispensation of Moses. You still think God is a God that is counting your sin. Scripture says he would by no means remember your sins. It says, blessed is the man whom God will not impute sin. Blessed is that man. It says, God keeps no account of sin. Have you seen this scripture in the Old Testament? It says, as far as the north is from the east, is as far as God has done what? Who knows that scripture? Has taken my sins from me. He's talking about the distance. Hallelujah. Now you have boldness. Now you have boldness. You can come boldly before God. Some of you, when you want to pray, ah, before you start praying, there are rituals you must do. You first think, ah, and you don't start. I have made you too small in my eyes. Oh, cast me not away from your presence, oh God. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me, do not cry, the joy of my salvation, and renew your... Who told you it took the Spirit before? That's why many people are not growing. You are living like you are in the dispensation of Moses. In the New Testament, Scripture says, Can your unfaithfulness... Cancel out God's faithfulness. God forbid. This is how your unfaithfulness cancel out God's faithfulness. It cannot. God is faithful. You might waver, but God is faithful. So you want to pray. The first thing that is in your mind is every consciousness of all the sins you've committed. You are still acting like you're in the old dispensation. You are acting like God is remembering all your sins. Should we talk about forgiveness of sin? 
Instead of st- we will give prayer point on our week. I'm sure a lot of you will first ask for all the forgiveness of all the sins you've committed. It's a sin consciousness. You are acting like you are in the dispensation of Moses. You want to atone for all your sins, brother and sister. What about the one you cannot remember? Who we atone for it by? Sin of omission, sin of commission, sin of contribution, sin of obstruction. Which other one? By my acts, thoughts, imagination, way, knowingly, unknowingly, consciously, and unconsciously, verbally, or. I don't know. <laughs> sin of pollution, <laughs> But understand through the lens of Jesus that in his death, God has forgiven you all your sins. All your sins. Hallelujah. All your sins are gone. Present, past, and future. He's not saying continue in sin. He's saying I've forgiven your sin and I've given you a new spirit to cause you to do. So now you can come before me boldly. Some of you want to act like you are still in the Old Testament like the priests. So you are entering God's presence. You are, I beg, hold the chain. Oh. If I die, just drag me out of this holy place. Say, Father, I want to enter the holies of holies. Oh, listen, it's different for us. The ritual has been done. Jesus has died already. The blood has been sprinkled. So we can enter his presence boldly. Boldly, not scared. A lot of people will pray, I'm not worthy to be here. If you're not worthy, what are you doing here? Christ has made you worthy. Hallelujah. This is important. This has to revolutionize your life and your prayer. Make you different. When you are coming before God, you know how to pray. You pray differently. You pray right prayers. You pray prayers that are consistent according to the word of God. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. A lot of people find it hard to accept that their sins are gone. It has happened. There's nothing you can do about it as long as you believe it has gone. Look at the lens of Jesus when it comes to this and discern God like that. Maybe it's the names you are calling him. Consuming fire. Maybe that's what is affecting you. Have you heard funny names? Let me even start. So a woman was caught in the act of adultery. And in the way you see the law, the the, 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 the law sort of favors the man. So nothing is happening to the man. But the woman is brought. And Jesus says, if you are without sin, be the first to cast a stone. Guess what? They dropped their stones and they went. And Jesus says, where are your accusers? Where are your accusers? And then he says, go and sin no more. He did not put her in discipleship school. Neither did he separate her unto fasting and prayer. He says, go and sin no more. 
Ah, that's the lens of Jesus. That salvation can cause a total change of a person's life. Stop. Stop doing what's the word? PA for for God. So somebody got saved, the person comes to church, you're like, I she don't believe her school membership class. Why, why is she sitting in front? No, I don't get it. Why is she sitting in front? Has she restituted? Has she paid for her sins? I don't know, but you caught all these parts of this sermon. <laughs> but but this is this is true stuff. This is true stuff. Jesus says, go and sin no more. Wow. He's with the woman at the well. And he's asking her, where's your husband? And she's trying to form and she says, oh, I don't have any husband. And he says, hey, you want to lie to the king of glory. He did not, he saw, he did not, fall, he did not make her fall down. He didn't do any of those And after he preached to her, this woman went into the city preaching about Jesus. You have to view the world and God through the lenses of scriptures. Some of you, if you truly study the life of Jesus, you will believe, you will think Jesus is not the true Messiah. Because you will not be able to stand some of the things that Jesus did. He was called friend of sinners. Hallelujah. Some of you still find it hard to believe that salvation is by faith and not by works. They will keep on, you say, yes, I understand. I know grace. I know grace. I know grace. But you cannot say that that's just the end. You cannot say, why will you say just believe? If you say that people will continue to sin, is it you that is the Bible? The people that Jesus Jesus preached to, did they did they, did you, did you not think about that when he says go and sin no more? When you study the life of Jesus, a lot of people will have oh, naturally you will have problems with them unless you renew your mind. You are going to visit Jesus of Nazareth, the man that everybody has been waiting for, and then you are maybe you are coming to even if it's your man of God, let's say it's even me. You are going to visit this year, you just said that the other. As you just said that the other, you just. You just meet one of the popular women in the society known for bad things. She's rubbing her hair on Jesus' leg. You're like, hey! Hey! Maybe you heard that you see Nicki Minaj rubbing. Hey, man of God! Jesus! What is going on? You cannot just fathom it. You will stop following that man of God that day. You don't want to hear. Like, he said, I don't want to hear. He said, you should know better. You should know better. We should not catch you in such positions. You know that you're a man of God. What will you be doing? You need to renew your mind. If you carefully study the life of Jesus, many people will have problems with it. Mm. Hallelujah. Do you know how bad that man must have been? For the guys that were good, the guys that claimed holy, to know that she was a sinner, you must be popular. <laughs> you must be popular. 
Like, it was not only bad people that knew you were a sinner. That means your fame has spread abroad the world. But God is love. That's the dispensation that Jesus brings. God is love. He's good. He has always been good. And he will constantly be good. That's his nature. In the Old Testament, you might have seen him as a judge who judges us speedily and quickly, who judges the world speedily and quickly. But in the New Testament, he's a father. He's what? He's a father. He's a father. He's our dad. You can call him father. It was a problem then for them to call him father. That's what some of you say. Hey, hey, you're getting too familiar with God. You're getting too familiar. But he's a father. Laugh, that's fine. Forget what I'm saying. Let it change your, your position. Let it change when you come to pray. Know that you're talking to a father. Know that you're talking to a father. When it comes to healing, know that he's, not, know that he's ready to heal. When it comes to compassion, know that he cares. He cares for you. He will take care of you. He will take care of you. That's the God you serve. That's the God you serve. That's the God you serve. Who came as a man? Made himself of of no reputation to die for your sins. Yet you want to kill the people he died for. Change your lens. See through the lens of Jesus. Understand this. Jesus reveals God. Say Jesus. Jesus reveals God. Reveals God. Begin to pray in the language of the spirits. Say, I change my mind as regarding God. And I see God through the lenses of Scripture. Through the lenses of Jesus. I see the true nature of God. I discern God through scriptures. Man de repaladabaya. Come on, pray. I can't hear you pray. Rebe de 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 de